And now, Grandma, Olga Pisana, 1907 to 1994. Growing up in Birmingham was culturally rich. We were part of a city with a long-standing Jewish community with deep roots, literally and metaphorically. The West Midlands was still industrial, a principal city of the world grappling with pre-Thatcher strife. I was bermitzvahed in Singer's Hill, a magnificent shul dating back to 1856 for a community established earlier in 1730. In stark contrast to my father's family, my maternal grandpa arrived in England in April 1939. My Gould family were Brummies for a number of generations. My paternal grandfather was actually born in Birmingham 113 years ago. When I married Karine in Singer's Hill Synagogue in 2015, I followed my father, grandfather and even great-grandfather in 1866 in marrying under a chuppah on that very bimmer, in that very shul. On her perilous journey, my grandma knew everyone around her knew that she was a young Jewish woman on her own fleeing her home. Imagine the fear, the heartbreak of saying goodbye to your parents. She was never to see them again. My great-grandparents were murdered by the Nazis. Grandma lived a life you'd imagine in Vienna a hundred years ago, surrounded by Klimst's canvases, loose modernist buildings, Mahler's music, Wittgenstein's philosophy and Freud's psychotherapy, but it was to prove superficial. Dark forces were also in play throughout her young life. Facing the threat of an invasive search by an SS officer on the train to Hungary, Grandma gave the pittance of jewellery and money she'd brought with her to fellow passengers, complete strangers, hoping she'd get them back. More than once, Grandma told me she arrived in the UK with just 20 Austrian shillings. The last leg of her journey to England was remarkably by passenger plane, the last vestige of the life she left before becoming a housemaid here. The pilot flew at high altitude, lest they be shot down over Czechoslovakia. Grandma had no family here, only her sister Greta initially followed her a couple of months later. Have a listen, she was really careful to talk to fellow passengers as Hitler's regime in Vienna uh, self-censored her, but Grandma didn't speak freely until they were safely over the border into Hungary where the Nazis had yet to invade. Even the ticket inspector, sensing Grandma was Jewish, knew why she was a passenger to Budapest and whispered, Don't worry, I'm red, a communist, you'll be able to return soon. The very, very worst of identity politics in action. Later, she was searched thoroughly by the SS for belongings they could confiscate from a young Jewess on the run. But luckily, my grandma had anticipated this, befriending complete strangers, fellow passengers who she trusted to give her belongings to, hoping they'd return them over the border. Excuse the cassette quality and my grandma's broad Viennese accent. Her optimism, despite everything, beams through the crackle and the recording motors. When Hitler came, I was... You were 29, yeah. This was 1938, and then I was lucky to come to England on a domestic permit. I went first from Vienna to Budapest, and there I stayed for, I think, uh, three weeks. And then from there, uh, on a plane to Prague for one day, from there to, to England. Did you work in Budapest for those three weeks? Yeah, what did you do? I, took, I was ill then, you know, through this upsetting, mm. you know. But I must tell you a little story. My parents was on the train in Vienna when I went, you see. And we was not allowed to take anything. And But I had my case, you see. 
and a bit of jewelry, you know, my hand is. And the parents was very upset, and I was very upset. And Mama put me in a department where a couple was a very nice couple. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I found it out afterwards, it was a very nice couple, mm -hmm. you know. But I had no, I was very upset, you mm -hmm. know, but I know I can't come back more. And before we came to the border, there, well, the kid inspector came and I had to see my passport. And he said, don't worry, I'm right, you will be back again, we'll be back again one day. Oh, right, yeah. You see. <laughs> but in any way, well, I was afraid, you know, something will happen, but on the borders, they can send me back or something. But in any way, this couple said, don't worry about us. We will, we will do anything, to, we will do nothing to you. Let me have all your belongings, you know, the jewelry and stuff, or money. I give it you when we're over the border. I was a bit worried, but... Why would you want to give it them? No, they would take possibly as as men would come oh, on the Jewish ground, and they would, well, you know. And I think, I was so upset, I think I don't know. But in any way, I gave them what I had, I had not a lot, mm. but a little bit. And it was very, very nice. And when we took the border, you know, mm. the SS men came and looked everywhere. Yeah. But then they gave it me back, yeah. And I thank him, but in any way, they asked me where I go, and I said I go to France also. And I wrote him then when I was there a thank letter, mm. and I wrote him I'm in hospital, I was with a breakdown. And they came to see me. Oh, really? Very, very, very nice. Good. Yeah, but I think this was Yugoslav people, yeah. something was so a holiday. Have you lost contact with them now? Yeah, yeah, immediately. They never, I never yeah. saw them again. Yeah, again. But they say to me, they, have, they haven't talked a lot with me. Only after the border, mm. when we have been on the but this was a time where Hungary was still part of Austria. But yeah, but Hitler wasn't there yet. And then I stayed in Budapest and then, in, and then I came to London. To London, and I think I was so upset that a friend took me to the plane. And on the plane, I remember all I was very upset. And the plane said, We have to, the captain said, We have to go very high up. I think it was September. I can't tell you the day. This was just the time when Hitler invited Czechoslovakia. And the captain said, we have to go very high, where it's danger zone, you know. And I think, I don't know, I cried, I don't know, I was very upset. And I fall asleep. And in London, a friend of ours, you know, picked me up. But before I was, when I woke up, I was so ill. So how long were you in London for? My position was in Northwood, near London. There was a very, very nice couple. And I think these people had to be something to do with, possibly he was a, something to do with the government. But he was always, I remember the Englishman, you know, with yeah. top hat on this. And she, very nice, proper English place, mm. you see. Very nice house, wasn't And I had my dictionary this way, and she couldn't speak a bit, she couldn't speak German, I couldn't speak English, we looked around. Yeah. <laughs> and I had, you know, I had to cook. You know. But uh, I stayed there, it was very nice, but I took ill. I took ill there again, mm. the woven house where all the refugees came, where they took me again to a hospital. And then, and then after this hospital I had, I was not allowed to be alone. And then Greta came, I think. She came a month later, but she went to another place to Axe Foundry. And then from there we went to a Jewish couple. Very nice people. But did, did you not have family here to go with? To Nobody. Nobody. When did you meet uh, Grandpa then? This was in... He was 
in turn. You, you knew him before you came to England? Yes, I knew him just nothing. But yeah. I met him then, this was in, I think I met him in December, in January, 39. Yeah, once you were here. Yeah, when I came to, to Nottingham, when the war broke out, we had to go inside the land, you know, not to speak. Why did you go to Nottingham? People mm. was not allowed to be on the seaside, or they said so it's better why? to be not in London. So why did, they, why did you pick Nottingham? I can't tell you why, but I think it was a position for both oh, of us. Oh, right, and that's when you met? Yeah, yeah. the with me. So this, you know this domestic permit, you said? You said you had a domestic permit. Was that a permanent permit, was it? Or Pardon? was it a permanent permit? Or was yeah, yeah. there I met he, had, he, he was interned. Then when he came out, we found, you know, we had to find a job for him. Mm -hmm. And he had the opportunity to find a Remington, one in London or Birmingham. But they advised him to go to Birmingham better, but it's dangerous, it's a bomb in London. Oh, I see. And then he had a relation in Nottingham too. Oh, yeah. Nearer here too. And I remember I went with him to, when he had a, um, you know, this appointment with Remington, Birmingham. I think he wasn't out, I think one hour, and I came to other Monday. Oh, right, excellent. <laughs> And he told me, he said, I think they are very silly, English people must be. He, I couldn't, he couldn't speak either, not a lot. That's it. Gave him a little room with a typewriter, mm -hmm. all in pieces, yeah. all in pieces, yeah, yeah. and told him to put them back. And this manager went out and left him. He said he was ready in 10 minutes, you know. And then he went out and looked for the manager. My grandpa and his brother, both elite footballing athletes were among around 4,000 Jewish adult men interned at Kitchener Camp in Sandwich in Kent, given refuge from Nazi Europe, travelling in from Berlin and Vienna. In the summer of 1940, when France was taken by the Nazis, it was thought too risky to keep the so-called enemy aliens too near the English coast in Kent, and the camp was closed down. My grandparents are a triumph of those people's lives destroyed and disrupted, yet given the opportunity to rebuild in a country which allowed them to. My grandpa, a retired footballer of the famous Hakoa Vienna Football Club and a fully qualified typewriter mechanic, had a wartime skill in big demand. And together, they restored their lives in double-quick time. I'm exceptionally proud of them, inspired by their arrival here. My grandma had a lifelong gift for befriending the most trustworthy and best of humanity, maybe because she was exactly that too. Her knack for this also happened in Brum with some very dear friends who helped them immeasurably on their way. But she had to go low to go high. In her thirties in Vienna, she owned an exotic pet shop. She danced ballet and loved the waltz pirouetting in her living room to show me how it was. In the forties in Birmingham, after leaving domestic service, she worked on the tills in Woolworths and with my grandpa rented a room as newly married with a young son, my Uncle Peter, in Four Oaks, Sutton Coldfield. My mum followed in 1945. By the late 1940s, my grandparents had their own home, their own business. My word, they were patriotic. The business was called Britannia Typewriter Services and my uncle's middle name is Winston. When I get the train out of Aston Villa, I gaze at the Britannia pub opposite where their shop stood and connect with them once more. It was a workshop with typewriters hanging up and rubber mats on the floor. The smell of WD-40 hung thick in the air. My grandma passed away 24 years ago, but her spirit lives on in my heart, in a thousand memories and on an old cassette.
Thank you to all of those who've supported my work thus far. If you'd like to support me, donations can be made via patreon.com slash Johnny Gould. And of course, please share and comment. You'll also find previous episodes there. Patreon.com slash Johnny Gould.